630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. David, who earlier tonight scored his 30th one-timer club bomb, rebound, score, Milan Lucic with his third career hat-trick, and it's unnatural, Hattie. He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone, touchdown Eskimos, Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. It's the only thing in the world this time of year not covered in pumpkin spice. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, thank you so much for tuning in this evening at 6.07. I encourage you to participate in the program by calling 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. It's been a good last few weeks for the Edmonton Eskimos who have won four in a row. It hasn't been so good for your Edmonton Oilers who are 3-6-1 to start the campaign and they have the Pittsburgh Penguins coming to town on Wednesday night. We'll also talk about the U of A football team. They are playoff bound for the first time since 2010. Quite a remarkable story. Uh, They have had to rally here over the final four weeks of the season to get in. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight and uh, yeah, we have a lot to talk about from uh, over the weekend, Oilers and Eskimos wise and uh, the Oilers out there against Washington on Saturday night, they jump out to a 2-0 lead, looking not bad, and then Washington ties it and uh, puts it away in the third period for a 5-2 decision. And the Oilers have a lot going wrong to be 3-6-1. and one. Uh, I mean, when, you're, when you have that record, I, I think there are several areas that need to be improved upon. You know, if you're 5-4-1, and one, maybe you're focusing on one or two things. Both special teams ha- have not been good. Uh, I think they have several players who were expected to produce a little bit more offensively below those standards. And uh, I think they have some defenders who, who aren't doing very well. And it was interesting uh, over the weekend gauging what what's... And I, and I hate to talk about everybody broadly because uh, every fan is going to look at things uh, a little differently i i just i just want to say this about um some of the specific criticism i guess that is being levied against the way the team is built and and the team is built i i think far differently and far more balanced than they were in recent years though there, there are still some some issues i think there um if you look at what what has happened on defense with Andre Secker out, and granted, you know, we knew Andre Secker was going to be out. We knew Andre Secker was going to be out long-term coming into the season. And and I know one of the question marks going into the season, well, there were a couple of question marks. Uh, should Shirelli have added another defenseman? And then the, the follow-up question to that, or the one that often went hand-in-hand with it, uh was will Darnell Nurse and or Matthew Benning be able to handle the increased responsibility? And 
I actually think it's been positive reviews, especially for Nurse and for Benning lately, who uh, missed a couple of games. Uh, I guess he was sick for two and was scratched for one. Didn't have a great start to the season. I actually think Benning has looked pretty good recently. And Nurse has definitely taken strides where you start to think, like, okay, he keeps playing, keeps developing, keeps making more plays, playing physical, being solid in his own end. He might really have a really solid player here. Um now, I'm going to talk specifically about a couple of guys and, and then more specifically about one guy. And by no means am I going to heap, am, am I putting every, all the struggles on these two guys? But I, I do think it's worth talking about, and especially in the context of uh, the criticism for, for Peter Shirelli not adding another defenseman. I mean, first of all, you were not going to replace Andre Sekera especially with a short-term, you know, Band-Aid-type player. Because Andre Secker is a really good defenseman. And I think we've now found out why he was such an attractive free agent a couple of summers ago when the Oilers added him. So, you know, you were not going to sign, you know, Cody Franson and have him step in and be Andre Secker or really fill that void. I don't know if there was anybody available in the summer that you were really going to sign that was going to be as good as Andre Sekera. If you were adding another defenseman, uh, you were adding a depth player or perhaps an unknown player who, who might be getting a chance to play a little bit more than he did with a previous organization, and that's who the Oilers did with Johan Ovitu. I, I was looking back at some of the guys who were signed this summer. Uh, Trevor Daly, Michael Delzato, Carl Alsner, Ron Hainsey, Johnny Oduya, Mark Streit, Francois Beauchemin. Now, first of all, to be a free agent, it takes two. The team has to be interested, and the player has to be interested in coming here. And the... And then all those guys are, are, are varying levels of abilities and got varying lengths of contracts. The Oilers weren't necessarily in a situation cap-wise to, play, to pay a lot to bring in a defenseman, especially if he was going to be a Band-Aid type guy. I mean, some of the better guys are going to command long-term deals. So it's interesting to me that on defense, I, I, I think the biggest question mark was would Nurse and or Benning step up? And I think to varying degrees, both of them have. Nurse more so than Benning. I, I, I think what has happened on defense is not that the younger guys haven't embraced the increased responsibility, and we'll see how they continue to handle it. I think it's that the number one pairing from last season has not performed to the level of a number one pairing. And I don't think that has anything to do with, with who could have been added lower down on the depth chart. I think it has everything to do with the play of those two players. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Oscar Clefbaum and Adam Larson. And Clefbaum especially, I think, has struggled. He's, he's been taking a lot of shots, uh, probably not hitting the net as much as we would like. And there have been some goals allowed where Clefbaum has sort of been caught roaming, where you kind of look and you're like, why, why did he do that? Obviously, it's not good enough. Uh, you guys can probably figure that out, that I'm not playing my best right now. Um, but as a team, we've got to play better, too. I mean, in the, the power play right now is in the bottom. The, the PK is in the bottom. That That's not good enough. I mean, it's tough to win games when we're not playing our best hockey. And we're going we're gonna to stick together and come back. I mean, it's, it's very easy to say, but there's a lot of games left. But we cannot just uh, put ourselves in a bad spot here and don't, don't feel any positive energy. It's going to be way tougher, and we just 
um, have a bad mood in the group. So we got to come back here and play better, especially for Talbs too. Uh, it, it's tough if you if uh, if you're out there and you make one mistake, you start thinking and what what you could have done better, and, and it's. Um, turning into like a bad momentum you, you could say that so I got to be better for sure but um, right now it's not good enough for the whole team but for me as a personal level it's not good enough all right so there's Oscar Clef on a bit of assessment on his own game and and certainly some thoughts in there about confidence and the mistakes piling up and Todd McClellan weighed in on Clef Bomb's play as well. The, the confidence comes from making the right reads. Um, not feeling good about your game comes from making the wrong reads. It, it goes together, confidence and, and play. And, and uh, I think that, that in my opinion, uh, Clef is a little indecisive right now. He's indecisive defensively, he's indecisive offensively. Um, you know, shooting, he's, he's got a tremendous shot. It's not getting to the area that he's, uh, he's targeting, whether it's blocked or he's missing the net. And, um, you know, those are individual struggles that affect the, the team play. Um, you mentioned him uh, as an individual, and we're specifically talking about him, but there's others that, uh, that also affect team play. And, um, you know, we have to get some guys on the, on the same page and get their games up to where they're, uh, they're getting passing grades on consistent nights. So they practice today. Nurse was with Larson, Clefbaum was with Benning, and Russell was with Griba. So my interpretation of this is that what is happening is that the younger guys who had the question marks over their head are now being asked to steady the guys who we thought were more of a sure thing. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about our, our, our number six and seven and, and what we have coming in the, in the system, but one, two, and three have to get their job done. They have to perform at a high level, and, and when that doesn't happen, there's no, uh, there's no rescuing them with uh, minutes to your seventh or eighth defenseman. There's just that much of a disparity sometimes between uh, uh, levels, and uh, right now we're working hard to get one, two, and three up and running and, and get them to where they need to be. All right, so there's McClellan saying we can talk all we want about six, seven, eight, nine in the organization. The guys who were expected to log a lot of minutes and did it effectively most of last year need to start getting back to that level. I think they can play better. I think they will play better, but definitely they're in a bit of a funk right now. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. It is 6-16. We'll talk a little bit about the shakeup to the power play units when we get back. Inside Sports on Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on in the NHL. The Vegas Golden Knights up 2-1 on the Islanders halfway through the second period. Also in the second, the Coyotes lead the Flyers 2-0. Will Arizona finally win tonight? And the Blue Jackets are up 3-0 on the Bruins. After the first, Canadians 4, Senators 2. Quite a first period there. Late in the first period, Lightning lead the Panthers 3-2. No score early between the Kings and the Blues. Later, Stars at the Canucks, Maple Leafs at the Sharks. Monday nighter. Chiefs home to the Broncos. Baseball resumes tomorrow. What an epic game last night. 780-496-0063. Jordan, go ahead. Hey there, Reed. How's it going? Doing well. So I heard a rumor, and I've heard it from a few different people. I don't know if this maybe has some something to do with the team play this year, but I heard that uh, Nurse and Dreisaitl kind of got in on it. Got in on what? 
like a little scrap. I heard that nurse gave him uh, a black eye. Oh, related to that. Yeah, well, uh, there's about 40 different rumors out there about of them, so I I choose to believe none rather than all of them, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I, that's the only one I really heard, another than that, because I was watching the hit and stuff, and I didn't know if it came to that, but it just seems we're not playing, like, that team mentality like we, like we were last year. It doesn't seem we have that passion, I guess. Well, they're not they're not playing as well as 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 last year for sure. I mean, I think Nurse has been one of the the nice yeah, uh, surprises not, for this year. I actually yeah, think Leon's been been pretty good. Um, I'm just wondering, maybe like, because you know, when there's a scrap between two people and you're say you're on a work crew and you kind of got to take a side and whatnot, so maybe like I don't know. It just seems that they're they're in a they're in a funk. It's not fun to watch lately. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, if something happened off ice, then then I then I guess it happened. But hopefully, they're going to be professional enough to deal with it. If that was the was the situation, I do think Nurse, uh, and like I said, Nurse and Benning are now being asked to steady Clefbaum and Larson. Yeah, I, I really like Nurse's play this year for sure, and Benning has picked it up since the first few games because he did not look good. But yeah, Nurse is like he's really jumping into play and everything. I'm really liking his play this year. All right, Jordan, I'll talk to you again. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot, man. All right. Uh, Eric, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hey, Eric. Hey, gentlemen. How you doing tonight? Yeah, it's just me, but that's okay. Oh, hey, 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 thanks for taking my call. i got a question for you, and I don't know if I'm way offside here, but why wouldn't we give Ethan Bear a chance to come up and help us out with the D? I mean, he's a big right-hander. He's, he's leading the farm club, as, at least as last week, in goals. He's a big Saskatchewan boy. He's been playing with heart. Like, I don't understand why we don't bring another D guy up just to give him a chance and kind of mix it up a little bit. Like, am I way offside on this? Like, what do you think? I don't think you're offside. I, if, first of all, any roster suggestions aren't offside. I only think you're offside if you're offensive, and you're far from that, Eric. Thank uh, you very much. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that they have Ethan that high up on the depth chart yet, Eric. I, I mean, I think they have... Uh, I mean, even if you were just to compare two young guys, I, I would think they have Caleb Jones above Ethan Bear, but I don't think he's a he's a first call up either. If they went for somebody I, on I, defense, pardon me for interjecting. I understand that, but I mean, a right-handed, big, mean defenseman—they're worth their weight in gold right now. Okay, right? I, I mean, fair enough. I, I just I think Ethan Bear needs a full season, probably in the American Hockey League at least, and then maybe we'll see what he pushes to do next year. Um, I mean, well, I've never seen uh, I've never seen him play in the NHL, so I'd hate to throw a kid in when a team is three six and one and say, "Hey, help steady the ship." I mean, I I think that's asking a lot, Eric. Well, it, it wouldn't be helping steady the ship, but w- what it would do is kind of rock the boat. Is that is that kind of like I don't know like my buddies and I have been been talking a lot about the D. I mean I, I really appreciate how Nurse goes in. First and foremost, before I start talking about Nurse, Nurse has got way too much class to be hitting one of his uh, teammates. Okay, I mean he's yeah he's let's, got too much class. Yeah, Never mind his dad that. would be so upset. But anyhow, I, if Nurse wants to go in and Bobby or it, I mean that's fine. But we don't have the wingers to back him up when he gets caught up. Does it, does, am I making any sense there? Sorry, say, uh, what, say that again? Well, like, it seems like Nurse really, really wants to have, like, like almost like a, 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 well, he plays an offensive game for a D. He can, yes. He can carry the puck, yes, and he's getting better at doing something with it, for sure. But I don't think he should be doing that right now. 
because we don't have the defensemen or the wingers that can play defense well enough to to back up oh, uh, I see our goaltending. Well, like, what but, do you think? Well, but I think, and Eric, thanks for calling. I got other guys, so I'm going to put you on hold. But I, I think that McClellan wants defensemen to take an opportunity to contribute to the attack if it's a calculated opportunity. And guys should know how to cover for him. I think they've gotten in trouble, uh, and unfortunately, Clefbaum is the poster boy for this, with pinches that were were ill-advised where forwards weren't in the position to cover for the defenseman if he misses the puck. And, and Clefbaum has had an example against Washington and another one against Carolina. Um, Eric, I appreciate the call. I don't think Ethan Bear is coming up, though, if you want my honest answer. But I do appreciate the idea. Sirius Gord is calling in tonight, which means he's uh, really happy with me or really upset with me. Go ahead, Gord. I'm neither, my friend. I'm, right. always, happy. I'm always happy to talk with you. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, obviously lots to talk about, but I'll try and keep it brief. I mean, the next 10 games, I think you might agree, Reed, are absolutely critical. I mean, this team has to at least start to look like they're turning a corner, that they're settling down and, and, and starting to play at the very least 500 hockey. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, they can't be like 6 and 14 or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So when is Sakara supposed to be back anyway? Well, he's supposed to be bad. They haven't updated recently, actually. He was supposed to be out at least until the end of November. But it's, I mean, we're, we're more likely looking at around half the season, give or take yeah. seven games. Before he's, certainly before he's back to, you know, what you would consider peak form, I would think. And, you know, we're looking at, looks, looking at schedule. They're playing practically every other day in November. Yeah, November's busy. Very busy. And so this is it. This is the season, I think, hangs in the balance here. I look at their... They're playing the Devils twice, which... Uh, yeah, they're doing good. Yeah, Islanders are okay. Ago, yeah, six months, I would have thought, geez, you know, that, that's easy pickings. No, no, I'm not so sure. And you got Pittsburgh and Washington, and, and the, the Islanders are playing decent hockey. You know, it's not going to be a cakewalk, that's for sure. But I, there's one question I know I've, I've asked before, but I've never gotten an answer, and I don't know if you have one, is why have they not tried Hopkins on the first line on the wing? I don't know. I, I've, I I wouldn't mind seeing McDavid and Hopkins on the same line, even for a bit. I think it might have happened. Did it happen for a period last year? It might have. It might have, but it just puzzles me to no end, especially, I mean, uh, Stoff has talked about it. You know, Strom is a natural center. He seems more comfortable there. Why not have Dreisaitl play down on second-line center, try and get something going with Lucic and get that line activated? and put Strom on the center in the third line and see if he can get it going. But I, the, the biggest thing I think, you know, we can talk about the wings and the front forward lines. It's funny, you know, last year I think somewhere in, in the year I, early on I said that I thought Clefbaum was the real, uh, you know, how his year went would dictate how the year last year went, and clearly he had a great year and the team yeah. did as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm looking at it this year. He's again that pivot. He's the one <laughs> defenseman who's got first-line capabilities both offensively and defensively. Larson is, is it, and so does Sakara, but Sakara doesn't have the kind of, I don't know, lockdown speed that Clefbaum that, that has. No, Sakara's more of a subtle player, isn't he? Yeah. Like, you've got to see I, him for a long time to appreciate yeah, him. And I think he's a, he's a really solid first first guy in your second pairing. But Clefbaum, to me, looks like, you know, that star stud. Uh, and he played a lot like that, especially later in the year last year. Um, and we're not seeing that this year. We're seeing him reverting to, I guess, you know, uh, immature tactics, uh, lack of response.
responsibility. Like, I don't know, maybe trying to do too much, maybe a whole bunch of things. Maybe Sakara, his subtlety sort of rubbed off on Clefbaum. Yeah, maybe. Later. And maybe guys are th- overthinking, like, oh, geez, i got to be a hero because Secker's around instead of just doing what they were doing. Gord, i got I got a break. Thanks, Before buddy. we go, listen to this, though. Uh, the Oilers last year, as everybody knows, started 7-1. and one. Yes, In their next 22 games, they went 7-10-5. and five. Isn't that interesting? Like, that's a pretty extended stretch of not doing very well. But yeah. the other 60-some games, they actually were, were quite good. So, you know, it's they can you can kind of have a, a mediocre quarter season, but then you've right. got to have a big burst at some point. And they at had two point. big bursts last year. Anyway, yeah, that mean. probably has nothing to do with what's going to happen this year, but I thought I'd throw <laughs> it out there. Good talking to you, man. All right, that's Sirius Gort, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. So we'll get to some of the uh, notes on the Oilers' power play a little bit later on. The units today at practice, McDavid and Dreisaitl, not on the same power play unit. We'll see if that holds up for Wednesday's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Brought to you by Furnace Family, Edmonton's furnace replacement experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Bit of an odd start time, at least for a home game coming up on Wednesday night. 5 o'clock for the face-off show and the game against the Penguins will start at 6.30. 45 yards takes the Eskimos to the 5. There's the snap and Riley keeps the ball and throws to the end zone. Eskimos. Darius Bowman takes the first pie out of the oven. Gables in the backfield. McCarty's in to help block. Riley drops back, steps up to the pocket, and unloads down the field. And that is complete. Brandon Zilstra is going to the house. Touchdown, Eskimos. What a bomb. 78 yards to Brandon Zilstra. Touchdown, Eskimos. There's Riley. He's got some pressure coming. Gets it away. Bowman's got it at the 10-5. And into the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman's got a pair. You know, it's funny. A couple uh, couple weeks ago, I was listening to this radio show. And this this, this idiot host says they should, they should scratch Bowman to leave Duke Williams in. God, I bet that guy feels like, oh, wait, that was me. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Cheddar. Eskimos analyst is Blake Dermott. Hi, Blake. How you doing, Reed? Yeah, you're, I know you're laughing because you love when I'm wrong, don't you? <laughs> so does everybody, Reed. We, everybody loves when we're wrong. <laughs> but uh, well, we should start with Bowman. I mean, what a what a great couple games. You got. Like, I was thinking, like, man, can he still separate? Can he still find the openings? Yeah, I, I guess he can, even against a, a pretty good Calgary defense. Well, you know, we were talking about that uh, during the game uh, or, or before the game started, and, uh, and and how he had only had two catches in his previous nine att- uh, uh, attempts to get him the ball. But but remember that there was an, an awful lot of those that were, you know, high, uh, uh, tough catches into coverage. So I, it wasn't that he wasn't getting open. It just I think a lot of it had to do with the circumstances. And and uh, you know I I don't think Riley delivered the best ball at the time. You know, and, and the attempts to him, but. For whatever reason, they've started to figure it out again, and you know they, uh, they they're meshing really nice. I mean, he's he's not putting up ridiculous numbers like 100-yard games. He did, although he did the game before this last one, but he's putting up very productive numbers. And uh, and certainly when you get into the scoring position, 
it now, you know, the Eskimos have three or four guys they can go to, which makes it difficult. It really puts a strain on the, on the defense. Well, it's been a nice little four-game winning streak, and uh, you can go on CFL.ca, folks, if you want to see all the playoff scenarios. The Eskimos can finish second, third, or fourth. Um, it, it, we'll, we'll have to see how it how it plays out. It obviously depends how Winnipeg does in their game, and uh, you know then Edmonton's going to play uh, Saskatchewan. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. Blake, you know they they beat Montreal, they beat Toronto, they beat BC. They beat a Calgary team that doesn't have much to play for. You know, some people have said to me, does that diminish the magnitude or the quality of, of the victory? I, I don't think it does because you can only play the team as it lines up. How, how do you look at that in terms of where Calgary was at and how the Eskimos played? Well, yeah, before the game, there was talk that they were only going to play Messon for a half and then they were only going to play uh, Bo Levi for a half. And, and you know, they were going to... They were going to get some other guys in there. And, and who was throwing the ball at the end of the game for Calgary? It was Bo. I mean, this game, in spite of what people think or thought, that this game meant, means something to the Stampeders. I mean, they do not want to – you never want to give a team, especially a team that you've dominated, which they have over the Eskimos in the last two years, you never want to give them an idea or a feeling of what it's like to beat you. Because especially when they're going to have to play you again in a very short period of time, potentially. You don't want to give that, that opportunity away. So as far as, you know, Calgary not, you know, um, this game not meaning much to them, it always means something to Calgary and Edmonton. These, this, these could be the two worst teams in the league, and this game would mean something to them. So I, I don't buy that one bit. All right, Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, joining us on Inside Sports. And, yeah, the Eskimos close it out Saturday against the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, Blake, the the uh, you know I saw most of that uh, game on, on, on television, obviously some of it at Rogers Place while I was getting ready for the Oilers broadcast. And I was overall pretty encouraged with the play uh, of the defensive line. What were you seeing there? Yeah, I, you know what? It, it was a it was a playoff type game, and I thought I thought the defense. Well, you hold Calgary to what forty yards rushing in, in the whole game, and Messam is a guy that they only needed fifty yards to get to a thousand, and he still got sixteen yards to go. So he didn't get a whole lot of rushing yards, and. And Calgary was in a situation where they didn't have the luxury of being able to hand the ball off because they had to move the ball down the field through the air, and and so that that means that the defensive line and the, especially the linebackers, uh, you know, really put uh, put some pressure on that front for Calgary and 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 uh, and forced um, you know two sacks to give up two sacks. This is the team's only given up 21 sacks all year. Calgary has and, and everything got two sacks on them plus the amount of pressures that they had. So I thought you're right. The defensive line and the linebackers did a nice job of uh, controlling that uh, Calgary offense. Blake, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I always do this to you. Potential playoff opponents for the Eskimos are Winnipeg, Toronto, or Ottawa, and they could play Winnipeg either here or there. Is there a matchup that you think is is best? And, and look, they're going to try to beat Saskatchewan no matter what. Is there a matchup that is best for you, or is it just play, you know, get Riley up to speed, play well defense, keep using Gable? Is is that just all you're worried about? No, I, I like the idea of uh, Winnipeg with with a banged up quarterback who right now they don't think is going to play. I, I heard Harris is okay. Harris will be playing this weekend, but they they're not they're not sure about their quarterback, so. Going into Calgary, and Calgary does not want to lose three games in a row. They haven't lost two in a row since 2012, so they they don't certainly don't want to lose three in a row going into playoffs and sitting on a bye and not having to play for two weeks. So uh, Winnipeg's going to get Calgary's best, which means 
I think Winnipeg's going to lose, and I think Edmonton's going to go in, and they're going to beat Calgary. So it's going to be Edmonton-Winnipeg, and I like that matchup. I mean, the first time uh, they played Winnipeg, they didn't play very well, and that was the first of their uh, losing streak. Mm-hmm. And, and then they played Winnipeg the second time, and Winnipeg just handed it to them. So I think that from a motivational standpoint, it would be very easy to, uh, to get up to play Winnipeg. Nice. All right. Blake, what's going on uh, with the high school scene these days? <laughs> well, I'm at a, I'm at a game uh, today at, the, uh, at Clark Park. Um, the Salisbury uh, junior team against Austin O'Brien junior team. It's been a pretty good game. I mean, it's a little – the points are stretched out, but uh, I'm, I'm impressed with the, the, uh, the way both teams are playing. And uh, it, there's some, a lot of really good athletes still playing this sport in the city. And the city finals for the top three divisions are at, uh, I guess it's the Metro Division finals, right? Or at Commonwealth Yeah, the, uh, Commonwealth Stadium on Friday. Uh, so it's a city championship game will be against Belrose uh, out of St. Albert, against Terry Ainley out of Edmonton. And Terry Ainley, I think, I was looking today, is ranked in the top ten in the country. Pretty impressive uh, team. And Belrose, we played on Friday in the semifinal, and uh, Belrose uh, had a pretty good record, and they beat us uh, by uh, uh, eight points, I guess. And uh, but their quarterback, I think, broke his leg in the game. Oh no! So that's yeah, it's going to be that's going to be real difficult. They're still a really good team, and they got a lot of good athletes. But that you know, when you're playing a team like uh, Harry Ainley, that's tough. It's going to be difficult to uh, to have a ton of success. All right, look forward to that, Blake. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, Reed. Thanks a lot for having me. That is Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst here on six thirty. Chet, and it's interesting looking at the the playoff possibilities for the Eskimos moving along here. So obviously going into the final week of the season, if the Eskimos win and Winnipeg were to lose to Calgary, the Eskimos would actually get a home game. They, they would actually get a home game. If the Eskimos lose, they not only have to go on the road, they got to cross over to the east again like they did last year. So, uh, And it is still possible that the Eskimos could get third and go to Winnipeg, but it's funny, I'm starting to hear a lot of that from people who cover the league because, you know, in the last few weeks it's been, all oh, the east is not good. Go, you know, go east, finish fourth. Fourth in the west is actually the easiest route, which I don't believe because no crossover team has ever made it all the way to the Great Cup. But as Blake said, with the Winnipeg with some injuries, Nichols uh, banged up, you know, Adams banged up. Well, Harris apparently is going to be okay, but he took a pretty big hit. Maybe Winnipeg's the opponent that you want. Now, then you'd still have to play Calgary if you won that. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but I just don't think it's a lock that that eastern route is the easiest one. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. A little bit more on the Oilers and their power play, and we'll talk to... The Canada West Football Offensive Player of the Week who helped the Golden Bears finally make the playoffs. All coming up inside Sports on Ched. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about our, our, our number six and seven and, and what we have coming in the, in the system, but one, two, and three have to get their job done. They have to perform at a high level, and, and when that doesn't happen, there's no, uh, there's no rescuing them with uh, minutes to your seventh or eighth defenseman. There's just that much of a disparity sometimes between uh, 
levels. And uh, right now we're working hard to get one, two, and three up and running and, and get them to where they need to be. All right, just a little bit from Todd McClellan today about the uh, Oilers' D. Clearly, Clefbaum uh, and Larson under the microscope here. I think especially Clefbaum, minus four on Saturday, minus six for the season. That is the worst on the team. I want to get into the power play changes as well, but first we have Jared, 780-496-0063. Hey, Jared. Hi, Reed. I just got a quick comment about uh, some of Tom McClellan's comments. And it's interesting that last year he would always talk about like back pressure and pressuring the puck. And that means you're close to the puck all over the ice. But I find now with the Oilers, especially on the penalty kill and on the power play, because they're so far away from the puck and they're not pressuring the puck, which is kind of laziness in their game, they're starting to play in the perimeter more and more because to hound the puck or to pressure the puck, you have to be close to it. So in all areas of the ice, the Oilers forwards are drifting back on the back check. They're not coming down as, as low in their own zone. And he talked about Oscar Klefbaum, about how he's indecisive. I think Oscar Klefbaum's indecisive because of the fact he's too far back from the play. So he, all the orders get caught in his no-man land. Like they're too, too far away to play the man. And they're, and they're caught where they don't know if they should play the puck. So they, they hesitate. And then that's what happens. That's what's ha- happening, I think, in Oscar's game. And especially on the Oilers' penalty kill. They're indecisive because they're too far away from the puck. And you know... And when you watch the games, and you because you go to the you're at all the live games, yep. hockey's all about the time and space. The less time and the less space a person has to make the play, the better success you're going to have. But if you're too far away from the puck, the other team's just going to rag on you all game. Well, I think there's something to that. And as much as I'm kind of focusing on a couple defensemen today, I do think the Oilers have been loose defensively all over the ice. Uh, you know, at, at times I do. I mean, to be fair, I think they've had some some better games, but I I think especially when they got swept on that three game homestand, the the forwards were really irresponsible with the puck in the neutral zone and on the attack, and that put some some pressure on the D. And yeah, Jared, I think there might be something to that that they're not playing that over top of the puck game that McClellan wants as well as they did last year. And I mean, Todd's not even really mentioning it that much this year, but he talked about that a lot. And I think that also, like the other teams are getting better. The Oilers have stagnant in a way, and you know, uh, progress is not that. They have to figure a way better these games. Otherwise, this could be a season where maybe take a step back and yeah. be low Tampa City or Los Angeles. Jared, we're, Jared you're, we're losing you a bit, but I think you made a good point. I, I Just check if he had wanted anything else, Dustin, but I think Jared uh, did make his point, but he was getting a little scrambly there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't think the Oilers are really far away, but I still think that there are some definitive reasons as to, as to why they have the record they do, and uh, I think Jared touched on a couple. And it just seems, you know, they've had a game with uh, with poor defense. Uh, they've, they've had a couple games with poor goaltending. Uh, they had a game in Pittsburgh where the other team's goaltender was exceptional. They had a game against Washington where they had the, had the lead and then weren't thorough enough in, in preserving the lead. So you need a lot of little things to go your way. And you have to make them go your way. To, to win a hockey game, and they're they're landing on the wrong side of that line. I don't think they're miles away from the line. In some cases, maybe they're a couple feet or a few inches, but they're still not executing properly 
at at the right time of the game. And and I mean it's then that's what I mean. Look, they lost five two to Washington, so it looks bad when you see the score. It was two two after two. Okay, they give up a sloppy goal early in the third period. You're still down three two most of the period. Like you're still right there to try to at least get a point out of it. And then they're on the wrong line of a play when Kuznetsov gets the the fourth goal to put it away. The power play. I want to touch on this. Here's the power play units today. McDavid, Clefbaum, Maroon, Kajula, and Latestu was one unit. The other one, Strom, Nugent Hopkins, Lucic, Dreisaitl, and Benning. So, McDavid and Dreisaitl no longer on the same power play unit. They both are capable of playing... um in, in a certain area in the offensive zone. They both are, are capable of quarterbacking a power play unit. Um, I think sometimes when the two of them are together, they're, they're dynamic. There's no doubt about it, but they t- have a tendency to look for each other um, a lot. And um, this way they get their own units. I think it's going to create a, a competitive environment between the two units. Um, you know, if one unit gets hot and keeps going, they get the ice time. The other one has got to pull up their socks. So uh, that's what we're trying to create right now. All right, and Dreisaitl was talking about the power play struggling. Coming into tonight, 29th in the NHL, 12.1%. I think we had our chances. I think we had our looks. Uh, we just couldn't really bear down and, and then put the puck in the net. I think that's that's what it comes down to, you know, uh, at the end of the day. It's, uh, it's not about getting chances. It's, it's about, um, you know, scoring goals on the power play, and we haven't been doing that, so, um, you know, it's time to, time to change things up. All right, so there's Leon Dreisaitl. More on uh, the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Want to touch on the uh, other hockey team that plays out of Rogers Place. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dustin Kaufman with it ready to go. The uh, Edmonton Oil Kings of the WHL will be having Star Wars night on Saturday when they play the Saskatoon Blades at 7 p.m. You can see pictures of these jerseys on 630Ched.com. They they have Star Wars-themed jerseys that'll be auctioned off in a raffle and silent auction throughout the evening, so you'll get the game-worn jersey. The Oil Kings will be auctioning off as well a custom-made Edmonton Oil Kings lightsaber. And if you think I sound like a complete Star Wars nerd talking about this, it's because I am! Look at this. Do we have John Williams in studio conducting this? This is incredible. But it is for a good cause because the proceeds are going to go to Sorrentino's Compassion House, which is a place uh, for women to stay in Edmonton when they come in to undergo cancer treatment. So it's all for a great cause. Uh, The Star Wars jerseys uh, are pretty cool looking. They actually have Edmonton Oil Kings written in one of the languages from the Star Wars universe around the cuff of the sleeve. So if you've ever listened to this show, even for a few minutes, you know that I'm enthusiastic about Star Wars. Uh, And I know some of you are like, yeah, Reed, we're kindred spirits. And some of you are like, Reed, you are a loser. It's fine. I can deal with both. But what I decided to do today, Dustin, you're going to like this. It's about a minute, 40 seconds here. I'm going to play it. Travis Child is the goaltender for the Oil Kings. So they had this announcement, and I, I, I pulled them aside. All right, Travis, let's play a little game here. Uh, we're each going to name a Star Wars character, taking turns until one of us repeats or really draws a blank. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. And because I'm throwing this at you unexpectedly, I'm going to let you go first. Go ahead. Luke Skywalker. Princess Leia. Darth Vader. Chewbacca. Uh, R2-D2. Yoda. Han Solo. <laughs> the Emperor. Boba Fett. Jango Fett. 
Lando. Jabba the Hutt. Poe Dameron. Uh, Ray. Finn. Kylo Ren. Supreme Leader Snoke. Padme. Anakin Skywalker. Wait, did we do Darth Vader already? Does that? Is yeah. That, that's yeah. kind of the same. I'll give him. I'll give him that one though. I'll give him. <laughs> uh, the guy who was with Lando that had the uh, the bald guy with the the thing around his head. Lobot. What's the robot? C three PO. Yeah, I don't think we did C three PO. Okay. Uh, the sand person that attacked Luke on Tatooine. Senator Organa. Bib Fortuna. Salacious Crumb. Sabalba. Watto. Travis, I think you beat me. I was in, I'm impressed with your knowledge. That's pretty good. Yeah, it, was, it was getting down to the wire there. I was grinding out of the guys, too. For a while. What do you think of the jerseys? I think they're awesome. I think it's going to a great cause here, and it's going right in Edmonton here, which is even better. I think uh, it's Star Wars is a big franchise, and it's good for all ages. Everyone can watch it at all different ages and enjoy it together. So you've seen all the movies, some of the movies, so you're aware of them? I, I've seen all the older ones. I haven't seen the newest one that's been out yet, so I'll have to get down and watch that sometime. Travis Childs from the Oil Kings. Good sport for going along with that. And again, 630Ched.com to check out photos of the Oil Kings Star Wars jerseys. Quick timeout. We're back after the news. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.